Chafvav Tammuz, Tafshin, Ayin, Hey, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Jonathan Razel with that classic opens up this week's live edition of the Israel Show. Welcome one and all. We are live as we are each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM on the Nachum Siegel Network stream. It's 9 a.m. USA. No, that's not true. It's 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's 4 p.m. Israel Time. And uh, you can also listen to us whenever you want, wherever you want via the different audio-on-demand options that we have. Podcasts, Nachum Siegel Network app, NachumSiegel.com. Just, there's a million ways. No, not a million, but you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, and welcome one and all. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day, whatever day that is. We are in the midst of the uh, period called Bain Hamid Sarim. Meitzarim, the dire straits, the period within which we are in mourning for the destruction of the city of Yerushalayim and, of course, the Beit HaMikdash and and the Jewish national homelands that existed during the First and Second Temple period. We always focus on the Beit HaMikdash, of course, but when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed... it was the end in the first temple. It was the end of Jewish monarchy, period, which hasn't returned till today, will be reestablished in Mirza Hashem in the future. There was no longer Jewish monarchy. The Jews went out to Bavel, Babylon, came back 70 years later, and it was never the same. Second temple, period. Each one of these, by the way, is approximately 400 years. The second temple, period, there was constant foreign intervention in Israel. Very short, brief period of time that there was Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel as we know it today. That was the times of the Hashmonaim. And then at the end, when the Romans destroyed the second Beit HaMikdash, again, it was not just the destruction of the Mikdash. The Mikdash was the focal point and the symbol. But the the Jewish existence, if you will, as in this case a somewhat sovereign people, in their homeland, in the land of Israel, ended. So we are mourning all these things, and there's so much to mourn that over the generations, the Jewish people have traditionally put all the different tsaris, and many, there have been many difficulties and many horrific events in our history of the last 2,000 years. All those were sort of built into Tisha B'Av in the period leading up to it. So we are in that period now. And so we play for you slow and inspirational music as uh, our Israeli music mix takes that format. That was Aaron Rizal with Katonti. Wow. And, and there is so much to choose from. You know, you think, okay, you, you can't have fast, uh, jumpy music, uh, there's lots of stuff out there. Later on in the show, immediately following the next song, actually, we're going to start telling you one of the most, uh, the headline story right now in Israel. The two Israeli citizens who it is believed are currently under Hamas 
captivity in Aza. Oh, there are so many questions. Oh, there are so many questions. This this happened almost a year ago. How, how did they end up in Hamas's hands? Why was it kept secret all this time? Why was the secret only revealed now? What what are the ramifications of exposing the secret now? And there are many other other aspects. So we're gonna try and give you as much of ins, as much insight as possible into this story. If we have time, we'll share some other news from Israel. There is just so much going on in Israel. It's very hard to um, to, to fit it all into a uh, one hour show, but. This is an important story and it has important ramifications and, and it, it hooks in to the Gilad Shalit story that was not so long ago. So we're going to try and explore the inner workings of it and give over a little bit of the feelings, the emotions that are, um, that are ignited in Israel by an event like this. We'll do all that right after this next uh, number. This is Bowie Kala from Kola Chai off of their album, Bini. My name is Mayor Wanga, and you are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh, 
the beauty of Kolachai <laughs> Bowie off of their album Bini their albums by the way are available or each song individually as well available online at kolachai.com K-O-L-A-C-H-A-I one word kolachai.com my name is Mayor Weingarten you are tuned to the Israel show on the Nachum Siegel Network as promised we're going to discuss this uh Amazing revelation last week, late last week, it was revealed and confirmed by the Israeli government that two Israeli citizens are currently being held in Gaza by the Hamas for almost a year. You imagine? For a year. And it had not become a public story. One of the two is a 28-year-old from Ashkelon, his name is Avraham Abra Mangisto. The second 
is a Bedouin Arab who is an Israeli citizen. His name wasn't released at the request of his family. Now, how did this happen? This was a few weeks after Tsuketan, operation of last summer, protective edge. We know that during the war, no hostages were taken, no soldiers were taken prisoner. We know that Hamas has two bodies, Shaul Aron and Hadar Golden, and the Israeli government is doing everything possible and negotiating with Hamas through back channels to get back to retrieve the bodies so that they can be brought to Jewish burial, to Kever Israel. But how did these two get into Gaza? Well, this might be a shocking revelation. They walked in. They just got walked in on their own. The Bedouin, Arab, does a lot of business there. He goes in and out all the time, it seems. And for whatever reason, the Hamas decided to hold on to him now. In fact, they're so tight that his family has announced that they'll take care of it. They have their own contacts in Gaza. They, they know people there. They got machers. This Bedouin Arab family obviously have a lot of connections there. I wonder what is going on. And they'll, they'll figure out a way to get their son back. The Jewish hostage... Abram Angisto, if you're not familiar with the names, that is a um, Ethiopian Jewish name. He is a, uh, as we said, a 28-year-old young man, and many in the media have been sort of dancing around the issue, but seem to be indicating that he's a troubled, a troubled uh, young man, and he walked up to the border. And there was a um, a breach in the fence. He was carrying a bag, but the uh, he was carrying uh, like a knapsack. Put it down and just walked in. The um, IDF people that watched the border didn't know what to make of it. They weren't sure who he was. They thought maybe that knapsack contained explosives. They weren't sure where he was going. So when he dropped his knapsack and proceeded into Gaza, they shot at the knapsack to make sure there were no explosives in it. There weren't. Now this happened two weeks after the end of Tsuketan. And um, the family, it seems, was aware of the fact that he was missing and somehow the information became known to the Israeli government that the Hamas has him. If we remember back, think back to the Gilad Shalit situation. It was not that long ago. Gilad Shalit, unlike these two cases, was a soldier in combat who was taken captive, prisoner, kidnapped, whatever you want to call it, he was in uniform, he was in a tank. He was in service of the country. 
many, as an aside, I would say, it's it's been covered up to a tremendous degree. But all the reports after he came back and was debriefed seemed to put the blame on him. He didn't fight back. He had ammunition. He was in a tank. He had a gun. He had a weapon. He just allowed himself. Maybe he froze, didn't know what to do, was scared, whatever it was. He just allowed himself to be taken and walk. He didn't fight back. Walked by the Hamas people, terrorists into Gaza. Back to our story. As the um, media in Israel was manipulated by the Shalit family through use of PR firms and others to cause a huge stir in Israel. And uh, we all know, because on some level we were all part of it, thinking this is the right thing to do, put pressure as much as possible on the world to pressure Hamas to release Gilad Shalit, but quite frankly, in hindsight, that was all wrong. Because one thing is clear, Hamas don't listen to pleas of emotion. This is a bargaining chip. And the higher the exposure of this bargaining chip, the higher the pr- the greater the pressure on the Israeli government, then the greater the price that Hamas can extract. It's that simple. If you make it very very clear to the Hamas that Gilad Shalit will never be forgotten when tens of thousands of people come out in public in Israel and yell and scream at the government, get Gilad Shalit released. Doesn't matter what the price is. Then the price just increases. And what ultimately happened that more than a thousand Arab terrorists were released for Gilad Shalit. And yes, we all knew it would happen. They went back to their terrorist ways. In fact, a police officer by the name of, I don't remember the first name, his last name was Mizrahi, on Erev Pesach on his way to the Seder Pesach in Hebron was shot by one of those terrorists who was released in the Gilad Shalit deal. And it seems to me, and I think it's the truth of the feelings in Israel that most, the overwhelming majority of Israelis woke up the day after the Gilad Shalit release and said, wow, what did we do? We got all swept up in this campaign and now there are a thousand terrorists on the loose and they're threatening us and in fact they do threaten us. I don't want to be in that position of the person who has to make the decision to say to one parent, look, we're not releasing a thousand prisoners so that your son can come back. We're sorry. As important as this one young man is, if we release a thousand terrorists, somebody else's son is going to get killed. And for a long time, this government of Israel held fast. Ehud Olmert, with all that I think he's a rather sleazy, corrupt politician, 
did not give in. But Benjamin Netanyahu did eventually give in to the public pressure and gave up over a thousand terrorists for Gilad Shalit. And so, it is so important and so critical that when you have such a situation, and this is a much different situation, this is a situation where the person put himself in, in, into harm's way. He walked into Gaza himself. The best thing that can happen is that it should not be a public information. That there should not be a public call and this PR machine churning and churning, release him, release him, get him released. The family wants him and showing on TV the father and the mother crying and all that. Because that just raises the price. And that is why for 10 months nobody heard about it. Now the question is, what happened now? Why suddenly last Thursday did the government of Israel agree to release the information and let everybody know? We'll get to that right after this song, Ptach Libcha, the song written by David Daor, sung by numerous Israeli and American artists together with the friends of the three young men who were kidnapped and killed last summer. This is in their memory. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We'll be back right after this song with the rest of the Gaza hostage situation.
קובי אפללו, דוד ברוזה, ישי ריבו, דוד דאור רוט, אברהם פריד סינגס דר אז וול, אנד דה פרנדס אוף נפתולי פרנקל, אנד גיל עד שר סינג טוגדר ווית'ם, פתח ליבך ברחמים, God open your heart in mercy. Al-Banecha upon your children. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The Nachum Siegel, the, the Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh. But Nefesh, yes, they have a charter flight leaving today. Hundreds of American Jews are now going to be Israeli citizens as of some point between today and tomorrow. When they arrive in the land of Israel tomorrow morning, They will be greeted by hundreds who have come out to welcome them to their new life in Israel. It'll be an amazing, emotional, moving ceremony that takes place. You are invited, all of you are invited to watch it. You can watch it live. It's a bit late here in America. It begins officially at 11 p.m. 
p.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Israel Time, and it goes through until 10 a.m. Israel Time, which is four hours later, so that would be 3 a.m. here in America. I believe, I'm, I'm rather certain that it also will appear on their website later on, so you can watch it delayed. But if you want to watch it live, you can get on there tonight, starting at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Israel Time. It is on the front page of their website that we always encourage you to visit. nbn.org.il. Nefesh Nefesh. nbn.org.il. Visit it. Be part of the excitement. Be part of the history of the return of the Jewish people to their land. It continues. It continues. The Israel Show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, revolutionizing Aliyah. We're talking about the case of the two Israelis that are in the hands of the Hamas, the Bedouin Arab, whose name wasn't released and whose family says they're going to take care of this on their own. I guess they know how to do that better than we do. The other is a 28-year-old young man from Ashkelon, Abrabangisto, of Ethiopian descent. In fact, his, his parents do not speak Hebrew. Whenever his parents are interviewed on television, they speak in, I guess I'm Harik, and somebody there is translating. And this was kept secret for about 10 months or more. So why was it finally revealed? If in fact it is, as we said before, it is probably best for the negotiations that it be kept quiet and that the public outcry does not grow in order for the price that Hamas sets not to rise, why was it revealed? And the answer is, the culprits here, yet again, unfortunately, I hate to say this, is the Israeli media. That's right. Two Israeli newspapers, Yidyot Achronot and, not surprisingly, Haaretz, petitioned the courts in Israel to force the government to release the information to the public because it's the public's right to know. Yes, in democracies there is a public's right to know. But in a democracy that is under siege, in a democracy that is at war, there are limits to the public's right to know. And that's the public safety. And one would think that the journalists understand this, but they're so, I don't even know, delusional, I guess would be the word, on the left in Israel, that they really think they're doing good by by forcing the hand of the government. And of course, the minute the information comes out, all the, what what should we call them? those who make a living by stirring up other people's problems go to the family and start pushing them to come out and to make statements in public and the outrage and so forth and of course the Hamas watches all this and they're just rubbing their hands in joy and glee oh yes they say at the Hamas now we can raise the price because the pressure is on the government the pressure is on Netanyahu to release this young man 
Again, I'll say it again. It's probably best for this young man that there be no publicity, and he'll probably get out with a, a lower cost to Israel, and probably get out sooner if there's no publicity. But that ship has sailed. And that's what happened. The media circus began on on Thursday. And then the following story was released. There is a uh, an Army Reserve colonel, a rather brave person, by the name of Lior Lotan, who devotes himself, by the way, as a volunteer, he devotes himself to helping negotiate the release of hostages, of Israeli hostages. And at one point he came to the family, and this is a, as I said, an Ethiopian family. The uh, the parents don't really speak Hebrew very well. They are um, very low on the economic scale. They're poor people. They're not advanced, if you will, in Israeli society. They have no power base. They're not the Gilad Shalits of of Israel. And so he came to them and he spoke to them very strongly, harshly. I don't know how these things work. Maybe he felt this is the only way he can get across his message. He's since apologized. But of course somebody there made sure, one of the machers there, surrounding the family trying to gin this up, made sure to record what he said and then released it to the media. So here's the quote. Decide what you want, says the government's negotiator, Colonel Lior Lotan, to the family, to the Mengisto family. Are we going to work together or are you going to put on a big show? And then he says, "Ani lo muhan l'shatef yeter puulaim amishpacha kshiyesh tzalamim shekotvim tiskorot ukshalom edabrim yashar." I don't want to deal with a family when there's media around, when there's photographers around, where people are writing notes, and where I'm not getting a straight answer. Achshav, he says, "Bechol apkishot ad achshav." All the meetings that he had with the family when it was silent, when it was secret, when no one knew about it. It was, it was successful. But unfortunately, something went wrong, he says. This is the day before it all went public. Tomorrow you are going to have a very difficult day, he says to the family. It's a game changer. Tomorrow is a game changer. He says, "En afachad liedchem sheholachzirat Abra, their son. There's no one of these machers that are now surrounding you, these guys who who go from one one place to another to gin things up. None of them have the ability to return your son. Chutz mi masha anachnu poalim k'midinat Yisrael. 
other than what we as the the government of Israel, the state of Israel, other than us, no one else is going to be able to help you. And he says, if you're now going to start every meeting that we have, there's going to be a protocol, and there's going to be photographers, and everything's going to be recorded. This, this is not the way to do this. These are the kind of things that silence is better. And then he says, and here's the other angle. Mishia misal tasipur ben Israel, you have to remember that there's a context here, and the context is that the Ethiopian Jewish community in Israel have been protesting, we spoke about it here a few weeks ago, have been protesting in Israel that they are not treated properly, and that was as a result of a video where a Israeli policeman beat an Ethiopian kid for no reason. And that sparked riots. So now the Ethiopian community is saying, well, the reason this information about one of ours, so to speak, was not released to the public was because you don't really care about us. Because we're black. And so Lior Lotan says, anyone who tries to use that, the race baiters, who try to say that the reason that things are working this way is because of the Ethiopian issue, all he's doing, all he's doing is guaranteeing that Abra Mangista will spend another year in Aza. Now, it was harsh talk. It really was. And he, as I said, apologized for it. And maybe he felt that that was the only way to get through to the family. But it tells a lot about the fact that there was someone there recording all this and then leaking it to the press. This doesn't do good for Israel. We are going to face a Gilad Shalit number two if the wrong people get involved and start really making this a more public affair and as a result raise the price. Every demonstration... Every story, every outcry by the public, bring home Abra, just raises the price. It's a dilemma. It's a dilemma. What is the family supposed to do? The family feels that they must cry out, and yet everybody that knows anything about negotiations, about game theory, and any of this stuff knows that the best way to deal with it is quietly. Now, what is shocking, quite frankly, and sad and upsetting is that Gilad Shalit's father, Noam, who was obviously at the head of the movement to get his son released, spoke out also against the government, said the government didn't treat us well either at the beginning. And many, many in Israel really lashed out against him. Many people say, you know what? Yes. You have to do everything possible to get your son Gilad out of captivity. And you spent, you, you raised and spent a lot of money and hired PR firms 
and created a public atmosphere to pressure the government and ultimately you got your son back and a thousand terrorists were released, some of whom have gone on to kill other Jews since then. But once your son was released and he's back home, shut up. As I said, most Israelis, I believe, and I, I, I really feel this from all corners of Israel, of Israeli society, woke up that next morning and said, that was not a smart move. And they don't want it to happen again. And feel that for, for Noam Shalit, Gilad's father, to get up now and criticize the government, it, it, it's, it's horrific. It's crazy. We there's every single aspect of this thing we've done to ourselves. The the kid walked into Aza on his own. The Israeli media petitioned the courts to force the government to reveal the information. The machers around the family are pushing them and handling them and using the media to get the story very public and the government is playing along now too because now the government feels that they're being called racist because they didn't publicize this or they're saying, oh, you didn't publicize it because he's black, he's Ethiopian and the government's saying, we didn't publicize it because it's the right thing to do and not only that, he did this to himself it's a different story here but of course on Friday in order to be seen as uh, popular in the eyes of the public Netanyahu went to visit the family no, he's joining in. That's the dilemma. Was the story kept quiet because it's a poor Ethiopian family? As some would say, was the story kept quiet because the government felt that that's the best way to deal with it? Was the story kept quiet because he was not a soldier in service sent by his country, but he rather walked in on his own? Maybe a little of each. Should the government of Israel agree to release Arab terrorists? How many? If any? Many in Israel say today, none. None. We don't want terrorists walking around. Maybe one. One for one. That's it. Don't hold your breath. Not unrelated. A law that was brought up in the government yesterday, but didn't get very far. We'll tell you all about that right after this song. Yerda HaShabbat, a new version of an old classic by Oren Sur. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah. 
here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingart and you're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. So, as we say, not unrelated to the story that we've been covering this morning, member of Knesset Sharon Gal of the Israel Beitenu Party, that's a Victor Lieberman's party that are right-wing but not in the coalition, brought, uh, presented a um, presented a bill for consideration to the Knesset to pass a law which, in short, is called death to ter- murdering terrorists, meaning a terrorist that murdered somebody should be up for a death sentence. Now, the way the law in Israel works today is as follows, and this is very interesting. Only in Yehudan Shomron, in areas that Israel still controls, is there even a possibility of a court and it's probably a military court in that case, ruling for a death penalty for a terrorist who murdered somebody. But the decision of the court has to be unanimous. Never happened. This law that he's introducing wants to say the following. First of all, 
It should be throughout Israel. Why should it only be in Yehudan Shamron, Judea and Samaria? This law should should be throughout Israel. And it should not require unanimity of the judges. There's no uh, jury system in Israel. It's uh, always judges. It should require a majority of the judges. And there is such a tremendous groundswell of support for this because think about it. The terrorists that murder Jews or even attack and maim Jews are sitting in prisons in Israel getting treated amazingly well. They get to study. There was a report recently about one of them that that finished his master's degree in prison. I mean... In Israel, they, the Israelis jokingly say they're in summer camp. And they're all waiting for one thing. Even if they've been sentenced to life, they're waiting for one thing. A Gilat Shalit type deal. Where they'll all get released. But, says Sharon Gal and many in Israel, if they knew that, for example, those who murdered the Fogel family, if they walk into a house at night and just slaughter a family, they're going to get killed. Maybe. There's a chance, maybe, that that will be somewhat of a deterrent. But you gotta try it. Well, the Prime Minister is against that. I, I just don't, sometimes don't understand the Prime Minister. I often don't understand him. I'm not saying that there was a better choice in the last elections. But, anyway, the Prime Minister is against it, and so of course they did whatever political maneuvers they needed to do in order to make sure that the law doesn't pass. We'll see what happens. We'll follow it and we'll update you. I want to send a shout-out. I'm sending a shout-out to all the participants on the two Yad Biyad groups that left yesterday. And, and we are, we at REL Tours are so privileged to handle these groups, all the NCSY groups, and now these two Yachad groups, Yad Biyad. This, if you're not familiar with this, this is an amazing story. And every year I make a point of going down to the airport myself as a representative of Ariel Tours. We have a representative at every group departure. But I make sure to be at that one because it is so heartwarming. I oftentimes cry just watching it. It's a group of approximately 100 people. About a third of them are, are counselors. A third of them are children with special needs. Some physical, some mental, very different special needs. And the other third, the, and they're teenagers, high school age. The other third are other high school teenagers, same age as the special needs kids, who are just mainstreamed, healthy young men and women of that age, who have chosen to go to summer camp, yad biyad, hand in hand, with the children of special needs of Yachad, to watch the care and the love that they show to each other is amazing. So a shout out to them. I met the son of one of our very avid listeners, and you know who you are. I don't want to say the name because I'm not sure. It would be okay with both sides. But what a young man. What a fabulous young man. Made such an impression. I was carrying my JM in the AM bag. And he says, my mother is a big fan of JM in the AM. And I said, what's your name? And he told me. And I said, oh, of course I know that name. So um, I know you're listening. 
regards from your son, very, very, very special. Made a great impression. All of the Yad Biyad people have a wonderful summer as they departed yesterday. And we wish everybody a great summer. We're off next week during the nine days. We'll be back the 27th, the day after Tish Abav for the next edition of the Israel Show. We're going to close out the show with the song written as a result of the funeral of Sean Carmeli, the lone soldier for whom tens of thousands of Israelis came out to the funeral in Haifa, and to Max Steinberg. The same thing happened with him, lone soldier from both from the United States, Steinberg from California, Sean Carmeli from Texas. Tens of thousands came out to their funerals. Max Steinberg's yard site, I believe, was yesterday. Sean Carmeli's was last week. Ariel Horowitz, Nomi Shemer's son, wrote this beautiful song about the funeral of Sean Carmeli, a Srimela fish, 20,000 people, about the turnout and the camaraderie. And as he says in the song, in Israel there is no such a thing as a lone soldier because you are never alone. You're part of the Jewish people. We will play that and end the show. But first, we thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your Facebook likes and comments. Please do check out the Facebook page later in the day. We post links to the YouTube videos of songs we played and stories that we're talking about and other interesting information about Israel. It's facebook.com slash the Israel Show. Facebook.com slash the Israel Show. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network immediately following us, encore presentation of Eternal Flame by Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson and then headlines by David Lichtenstein. All that followed by the great Monday music marathon of slow and inspirational music. Until... Two weeks from today, immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. <laughs>
Thank you. 